The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Know the difference. Now, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. Bull market. Inflation update inbound and jobless claims head up. Welcome. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We are glad you're here. Got a big hour planned for you. Stick around. I'm Danny Clayton, Dirk Felsky, Chief Investment Officer. Hello. Hi, Danny. Dave Spano, President and CEO. Welcome to you. You think about all the negative news, Danny, that we're hearing, and it would be shocking if I told you that we were going to enter into a bull market. But guess what just happened, Derek? Right. The S&P is now more than 20% off that October low following the NASDAQ. Small caps continue to lag behind, although they've been playing catch up very, very aggressively in the last couple of weeks. And you think about what's happening from the October low to where we are today. You know, the backdrop, of course, has been the Federal Reserve, and we're going to get to that. But underneath the market, though, there's a lot going on. We certainly talked about the big stocks pulling everyone else along, but people forget about sometimes what's happening with small caps. Right. I mean, the small cap index is at a relative low in terms of value that we really haven't seen since uh, 2001. So small caps have basically been thrown out with the bathwater. And what we're seeing is companies in the small cap arena that actually make money are starting to trade, trade very well. And you know, I guess that's part and parcel because, you know, we had the speculation of last year. We had a lot of companies come public. They were trading at nosebleed valuations, not making money, and that held the small cap indexes down. But recently, the small caps, which are more cyclical in nature and also contain a lot of banks, have bounced dramatically. And you look at the valuations in small caps, and a lot of that is compelling. So I'm really not surprised that that's starting to attract a bid, as they like to say in the markets and we look around the other parts of the equities markets and a lot of times you know we get myopic just about what's happening domestically but internationally we're starting to keep an eye on japan right the japanese market has been trading better it's been again been a perpetual underweight on the part of international investors you know lousy demographics uh you know just issues related to the age of the population and so on that have basically curtailed investor interest. But recently, the Japanese market has been leading on the upside while China continues to languish. And we're going to watch that and continue as one, one of the themes going forward. But flipping from the equity side to the fixed income side, I'm getting lots of questions, Derek, about rates of return on short-term treasuries. Right. I mean, when I look at a T-bill trading at over 5%, you know, say for a six-month treasury bill, and I think about with the S&P trading at 4,300 at roughly 20 times forward earnings, it would seem to me that that's a reasonable speculation to reduce a little bit of exposure on this recent stock market strength and and give yourself some some portfolio stability by getting a T-bill for six months, because there's a lot that could happen this summer. There are all sorts of risks out there. We'll go through them in a little bit. Uh, And it's just a good way to manage risk as you continue to try to build for your retirement. And of course, we're talking to those do-it-yourselfers, but there's lots of people out there that aren't do-it-yourselfers. You're working with an advisor. Perhaps you ha- it's in a set-it-and-forget-it philosophy, but there's no doubt that keeping your finger on the pulse right now is very important. And let me just talk about yields for a second. Part and parcel of this conversation is the Fed meeting next week. All eyes will be on what they say. Right. The expectation is they're going to pause and, and talk about the data going forward. Uh, but the market believes there's one more hike in store for us. If it doesn't come in June, they think it might come in July with a 75% probability 
probability. But again, that depends on what CPI is next week. It's possible we could see a three-handle, which I'm sure would excite people. But as, as Todd Voigt, our chief investment strategist, had mentioned any number of times, that's a base effect, that we're going against high inflation readings from a year ago. And though that base effect becomes less onerous going forward. So inflation could very easily echo and start to per- perk up at the end of the summer. And of course, folks, don't anchor on that idea that 75% of these of the betting population thinks that we're going to get a change in interest rates because that may not happen. And we've seen dramatic moves in those betting odds overnight. That's true. We certainly have. I mean, right now, the Atlanta Fed is looking at Q2 GDP growth of 2%, so no recession in the second quarter. And many of those that thought earnings were going to fall off a cliff in the second half as the economy fell into recession are basically having to lick their wounds and buy. And lastly, talk. speaking of recessions, we saw what happened with the EU this past week. Right. The EU actually is in a recession. We saw that German GDP was down 0.5% in the fourth quarter, also down 03 in the most recent quarter. Uh, so, the, And the Eurozone actually faces a much more onerous inflationary task than we do. They've been negatively affected by the Russia-Ukraine war, and, and that's why their central bank continues to tighten, as they did recently. And of course, that is the really the reason why we really want to go through these portfolios and make sure that they are aligned with what's happening in the world right now. You can get that done pretty easily, Danny. Yep, it's a simple conversation about a serious topic, and it all starts when you head to the website, AnnexWealth.com. You click that Get Started button. Simple exchange of information so we can get a hold of you, you can get a hold of us, and then we take it from there. If you feel like it's a match, great. We move forward, and we would love to help as a fee-only fiduciary. We can review, always available on demand. You can get it at Spotify at the top of the hour in the Axiom newsletter or wherever you get your podcast. Sunday, June 11th, Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management Show. Going to be right back, 92.5 Fox News. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. We are back. Brand new thing on the Annex Wealth Management website, AnnexWealth.com. It's called Graphonomics. One of the reasons we love to do these shows is because it's all about education. The more you know, the more you can be better informed and make those great decisions, like partnering with Annex Wealth Management. But it's called Graphonomics, and it's from Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management. And what he's going to do is he's going to break things down, and he was a professor for a long time, into graphs. This week, it's debt deal done. Now what? He also gets into the hot labor market, Fed, skip or trip. It's going to be a great thing, fairly easy to digest, so you can check it out this weekend at AnnexWealth.com. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management. Dave Spano is our president and CEO. Yeah, thanks, Danny. You know, we talked about the markets, S&P 500, going into a new bull market. In other words, the trough in October to where we are today, up 20%. But you think about all the disruptions and the aftershocks that are abound, not only, of course, politically, but we have one of our strategic partners laid out this really negative backdrop. Right. I mean, he's he's really looking at many economic indicators and, and guideposts towards what has led to a recession in the past, because as he points out, uh, the market has never bottomed until we enter a recession. And with the Atlanta Fed saying that GDP in Q2 is going to grow at 2%, obviously the second quarter doesn't look like the beginning of a recession in my mind. But he talks about negative M2 growth having a lagging effect, the inversion of the yield curve, 
the banks are less willing to lend, which can, can lead to unemployment down the road. Uh, the budget being indexed to inflation. He talks about housing prices still firm up 5% year on year, which, which leads to a higher rent prices in the future. And then finally, the fragility of narrow markets and also the lagged effect of monetary policy. All of these things would suggest that this is basically a bull fake out. But until we start to see evidence, it's hard to argue with the bulls. And you think about what's going to happen right here. We are in June of 2023. We have an election in November of 24 from a sitting president running for office. And so you say, this is not a negative GDP quarter. Will it be next quarter that that happens or the quarter after that? Because at some point, you're going to get pretty close to an election and the president sometimes can have an undue effect on that. Right. And I, I know I think back on, you know, after the midterms, we talked about how 12 times out of 12, that the stock market was up 12 months after that election. And, and thus far, that seems to be playing out. Now, the valuations are now more challenging. It's, it's not like we're trading at 15 times earnings anymore, more times, more like 20 times forward. And that fear and greed indicator that I like to talk about a lot is very high at 78, one of the highest readings we've seen in several years. So it's not a time to go aggressively long or add, add aggressively willy nilly. It's really a time to take a look at that portfolio and rebalance if necessary. And not only rebalance, but you look at, and, and we've spent some time talking about this Derek, is if you look at the S&P 500 like a lot of people do from 30,000 feet, they forget that if you take out those top 10 stocks, the valuations look very differently. Well, as an example, if you if you take the performance of Meta, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, Google, Tesla, and NVIDIA, they're on average up 53% year to date. The S&P is, itself is up 11% year to date. The remaining 493 companies in the S&P 500 are flat. They've gone nowhere. So depending upon how your portfolio has been constructed, you've either participated or you haven't. And if you haven't, you really need to take a look at what your allocation is. And I read a report, Derek, the other day that said either those seven stocks are going to come back down to the rest or the rest are going to come up to the seven other seven stocks. So we'll have to watch it as we go forward. But folks, in these volatile times, there are things that you can do Portfolio and planning cleanup ideas are abound. You think about, for example, rebalancing or reviewing your risk tolerance, looking at active versus passive. All of these are part of the process that we go through, Danny, as you know, and we do this on a daily basis. So, Dave, somebody hears that the bull market is now on, they say, yeah, well, see, we're fine. No, you need to maneuver differently. And you really have to go with the bigger plan. I mean, where do you want to be in three years and five years, and how does that financial plan and your investment plan tie together? Of course, tax planning and estate planning, you need to work with someone who can bring all of those professions together in one spot. That's what a full-scale fee-only fiduciary does for you. Yep, and that's what Annex Wealth Management does for sure. Our teams are investment, retirement, tax planning, estate planning. We put them all together. Really smart people. You've heard lots of them over the years here on these radio shows, and we would love to work for you. If we can, head to the website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. You know, there's so many 401ks, which leads to a lot of misconceptions. It happens with employees and employers. We're going to take a break. Be back with that next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Would you trust a part-time dentist? Then why would you trust a part-time fiduciary? Some financial professionals say they're a fiduciary, and they are, part-time. The other portion of the time they're interacting with you, they might be serving other interests. Do yourself a favor. Ask your financial professional if they're a fiduciary all the time. Annex Wealth Management is. Drill down into your finances with the full-time fiduciary team at Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference. 
Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. If I may paraphrase a classic motion picture line, what would you say you do here? Oh, that is such a great question. You put me on the spot here, Danny. I better give a good answer. My team works with employers who offer 401k plans to their employees. We work both with the employer on putting together a really good plan and maintaining it and monitoring it. And then we work with the people who work at that company so that they can take advantage of the benefit. That's the really high level synopsis of what we do here. So by virtue of that, you are in a bunch of companies. You encounter a lot of questions from a lot of people. Some are simple, some are complex, and some are where you need to maybe undo certain misconceptions from otherwise well-meaning right. people. Yep. <laughs> All right. This segment is called Stuff Tom Hears. Where shall we start? I just recently was with a new client of ours introducing the team and we were talking about how their plan works and they do have a Roth option in their 401k. And somebody raised his hand and I've heard this many times. I'm just using them as an example because it happened recently. And he said, well, the, the reason I don't want to do Roth is because then I'm contributing less to retirement than I am in the case of pre-tax. And I said, whoa, 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 hold on a second. You know, that is not how that works. So rather than getting into a, a math, you know, where we're trying to do math here, let me explain just kind of how it works at a high level that, that makes it easier to understand. When Roth first became a thing, I was a salaried employee and I was doing 10% of my pay to retirement on a pre-tax basis. So I was getting paid the same amount every two weeks. And what I did is I switched from pre-tax to Roth. My next paycheck was smaller. And the reason my next paycheck was smaller is because the same amount of money was going into my 401k plan in the Roth versus the pre-tax. That part didn't change. The 10% of my pay was the same amount of money. Say I was making $40,000, right? So $4,000 a year was going in either way. The difference was the amount that came out of my paycheck was bigger in the case of Roth because now I was paying taxes, whereas before I was not. So it's important for people to understand whether you do pre-tax or Roth in your 401k plan, just like a Roth IRA or a pre-tax IRA, the amount you're contributing is the same. The difference is how much are you paying taxes now? Stuff Tom hears. Tom is Director of Retirement Plan Services at Annex Wealth Management. You get a lot of questions about investment diversification and are there misconceptions? Especially in 401k plans, because most 401k plans these days have target date funds in them. If you look at your 401k lineup and you see all these different investments, and then there's a chunk of them that have all the exact same name. And the only difference is at the end of them, it says 2020, 2025, 2055, 65, all that stuff, right? And those are designed specifically to be one-stop shop investments. And what we see a lot of times is people will pick, because you know we always tell people, don't put all your money mm-hmm. in one place, not all your eggs in one basket and all that stuff. So they will grab two or three of those investments and use them together. And what they don't seem to understand is the underlying investments in that entire suite is identical. The only difference is how is that money allocated? They are already doing the asset allocation and diversification for you. So be careful about that. There is such a thing as over diversification um, and duplicative diversification. Because a lot of times people are buying the same stuff and they don't even know it. They think they're diversified and they're not. So you got to be careful with that one. Well, we run into that with the portfolio reviews with our incoming clients. All the time. There's all sorts of stuff. We're with Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. He and his team work with companies on their benefit plans to attract and retain employees. And Tom, you probably saw the same thing I did. 34% of millennials are thinking about bolting. So wages are one thing that attracts 
affect employees, but so are benefits. Especially with millennials, they're way more in tune to benefits than most people because they understand that they're paying for pretty much everything along the way. The day of the pension has mostly passed, you know, unless you work for government or a professional sports league or something like that. They're really in tune with it. This is really important stuff. Other things that Tom hears, let's talk a little bit about the difference between contributing to the match limit and then what maxing out is. They're not the same thing. No, they're not. And Deanne and I have talked about this in our Investigating Myths series. People will always ask our team members, the first thing they ask is, how much do I need to put in to get the company match? Which is a great question. And so let's say you get matched up to 6% of your pay. Well, so you put away 6% so you can get the match. And then people say, see, I'm maxing out. It's like, whoa, hold on a second. You know, understand that there's a difference between the total match and then the total amount you can put in. If a company doesn't match, should you even contribute? Well, there's another one we hear is, I'm not going to contribute because there's no match. And it's like, well, hold on a second. So you're not going to save for retirement at all? I mean, that doesn't make sense. Usually a 401k plan is a good option because it's easy to do. You decide how much goes right into your account before you get a chance to spend it on a six pack of beer or another pair of boots or whatever it is. Make sure you're saving somewhere and wherever else you're going to save isn't going to have a match. So that one I've never really understood. Let's talk about decision makers. What do you run into with them? I I know you've got one all time favorite and this is amazing. Okay. This is my favorite. When we'll be talking to prospective clients and you know we'll be talking about understanding fees. And I'm not a fee fearmonger person because the reality is there's generally parity when it comes to fees in our industry and the 401k side. But when I come across someone who says, we're not paying any fees, usually those are the people who are paying the most. Of course you're paying fees. And the fact that you don't know what any of them are is a real problem. You're supposed to know. The DOL requires you to know that stuff and then to make a determination as to whether it's reasonable. And that's what we help them then figure out. So get competitive when it comes to attracting employees. Have a great benefits program. Get serious when it comes to retaining employees. It's important. Have a great benefits program. That's what you do. Yeah, and that's where engagement is key. We have a lot of fun with workforces from blue collar to white collar. Our strategy and process, I think, is a lot of fun. We want to be educational and we want to keep people engaged. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Danny. In a recent study, over one-third of millionaires predicted their ability to feel financially secure and retirement is going to take a miracle. At Annex Wealth Management, we believe a plan, not a miracle, will help increase your retirement confidence. Our team of experts gets to work using leading-edge technology to build a comprehensive plan covering investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. And Annex doesn't have products to push with hidden fees or commissions. There's too much of that already. More planning, less miracles. Build confidence with Annex Wealth Management. AnnexWealth.com. Need to reach Annex Wealth Management but want to skip the computer? No problem. Call us. 239-350-6363. 239-350-6363. Let's talk soon. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? We recently had an Ask Annex question about a number of terms you'll hear in the investment world. And we got back to him, but it occurred that a quick course on some of the terms might be beneficial for everybody. Who better to take us through that school than Todd Voigt, Chief Investment Strategist at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome, Todd. Thank you. Todd, you're well-equipped for this segment. You taught graduate and undergraduate courses in investments, advanced investments, and international finance courses for over 20 years at a large university. You have a PhD in economics with concentrations in financial and international economics, along with a Master of Economics and a BA in economics. Did you have any fun in college at all? Well, you know, I wanted to clarify something. I worked through 
through all that? I lived across the street from the university. Odds of tripping you up on some of these terms are incredibly low. The first term we'd like to define is one that's in the news often when there's volatility, and that is correction. Correction, you know, you have to keep in mind that it depends on who's doing the defining, but it's generally accepted that a correction or a drop in the market is 10% or more in the index level. That's somewhat related to a bear market. Bear markets are markets that fall 20% or more. Again, keep in mind the feel of the market and the dynamic of the market can be something completely different where you can have a 30% drop in the market. It's basically like a correction. But a correction is normal. We see them often? Absolutely. Corrections you'd see a couple of times a year. And I'm glad you actually said that's normal. In the context of today's environment with the market, it's not corrections we worry about. That's a, just a normal part of the dynamic of the market. It's bear markets you got to worry about. The prospect of a market trending down 20% or more. What have you done to prepare for it? What are you doing to take certain action? Corrections, they come and go. Everybody's heard the term recession. Most of us have seen a number of them. What's the definition of a recession? Two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth or negative economic growth. That's the formal definition of a recession. Again, there's the more the look and the feel of it. You have growth, you know, recessions and things that are going on that might not by definition be a recession, but it feels like a recession. For example, today, you know, real wage rates, they're not keeping up with inflation rates. So people aren't feeling too good about higher gas prices and food prices, yet wages are going up 4%. Well, inflation's going up 7 <laughs> So it doesn't feel like a real growth environment. Conversely, you have recessions that they may by definition not be recessions, but they feel like recessions. Even though the last one was a long time ago, the term depression casts a long and scary shadow over most of investment talk. Right. And so that the last time that topic came up was probably 2008, the dark days of 2008 and, and a significant decline in economic growth. And economic growth, it's similar to like we're talking about recession and bear market, recession and depression. Depressions are just deeper swells in economic growth than a recession. But the last official one was, what, in the 30s, right? Yeah, in the 1930s. Todd Voigt, Chief Investment Strategist at Annex Wealth Management, walking us through some of the often used terms that you're going to encounter. Often during our weekly recap of the markets, Dave and Derek will mention growth and value stocks. What are growth stocks? Growth stocks are traditionally, uh, and this has been around for a long time, high earnings growth, high sales growth type companies, high returns on equity to shareholders, that type of thing. But think of it as high sales or earnings growth companies. Value stocks are those that might be cheap based based on some valuation metric. A simpler way to think of it, value stocks are those that pay really good dividend yields. And dividend yields is an indication of value, but there are other metrics used to determine value. Earnings season is quarterly with a number of different data points. Are there key terms in these reports we should look at, like earnings or earnings per share or revenue? Uh, Absolutely. And earnings season is a time, for example, where you go through that in mid to late, say mid-January to mid-February for the fourth quarter of the previous year. You get into April, you get into July, you get into October. Those are earnings season periods where companies are reporting the previous quarter's earnings results on publicly traded companies. The earnings number is, is actually pretty simple to arrive at. It's sales minus cost cost is earnings. So how does company increase earnings? They can increase sales, they can reduce costs, or they can do both. Earnings per share is simply the amount of earnings on a financial statement divided by a number of shares outstanding. 
I want to make an important point about that because this ties in with the valuation of the company. And is a stock expensive or cheap? You don't look at a company and say, this company's share price is $100. The other one is $60. Therefore, the $100 stock is more expensive. It's just expensive in the share price, but not in valuation. So PE, for example, price per share divided by earnings per share, per shares cancel. And you have a number, 14, 20. If it was my sister who knows absolutely nothing about the market, I would explain, just look at the PE ratio as a valuation measure, and it's just an absolute number. It can range from, let's say, 14 to 20, like the market. 14 is low, 20 is high. Therefore, higher than 20, market's expensive. Lower than 14, market is cheap. Same thing with an individual stock. We're running a little short on time. I had asked you about shorting and I asked you about options. Maybe we'll do that for another segment if you can come back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning as a fee-only fiduciary, know the difference. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Start the wealth metric process. Todd Voigt, Chief Investment Strategist, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Investment and retirement planning is personal. The Annex Wealth Management way is to meet you where you're at. That's the best place to start. Seasoned investor, careful saver, or do-it-yourself for tidying up loose ends. If you're ready for comprehensive wealth management from the fee-only fiduciaries at Annex, so are we. Maybe you're stuck and not sure what to do next. It's time for Wealth Metric with a deep dive on investment, retirement, and tax planning. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. Start today at AnnexWealth.com. Here we go with Ask Annex. As always, got a question for us. You head to the website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask tab. If we can help, you always click that Get Started button. Sarah Kyle is a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. She is back. Hello. Hello, Danny. Matt Moore is the investment team manager and a CFP. Hello. Hey, Danny. First question, does all this hype around AI remind you of the promises of blockchain, 5G, and crypto? Well, I would say it reminds me a little bit more of the internet bubble or that dot-com bubble in the late 90s. It has more of a wide-reaching real-world applications, and this will definitely revolutionize many industries just like the internet did. Blockchain, 5G, and crypto, they're more sector-focused, so there's a lot of hype around this. And just like the dot-com bubble, many companies will ride that train, but only the strong will survive. Yeah, I think that's a a better comparison than the other ones because of how far this could potentially scale things. Mm -hmm. Those others are potentially improvements, but it's still so early. AI has been really around for a very long time, but it's really just hitting the mainstream into a much larger effect. I agree that I think the internet is, is a better comparison. And for a deeper dive, we've had a couple podcasts lately, both in our SWAT podcast and Know the Difference that have really hit this pretty hard. I had a friend argue that the Roomba vacuum cleaner is AI. Is that true? Probably. <laughs> Probably. I think it does. It's supposed to learn the yeah. layout of your room, right, as it's going? There you go. It's been around. And now they make them for the lawns, too. I don't know if it's Roomba, but they have the lawnmower. There's a guy one block over that's got one. Second question on Ask Annex. A friend shared a site where I can track the top monthly ETF inflows. Is that a good source or do they vary too much from month to month? And an inflow is that deposits into? Yeah, an inflow or an outflow is either money going into or money coming out of specific investment, in this case, ETFs. Uh, You can have the same kind of view on mutual funds as well, too. For us, it's more informational than anything. It's not something that you could really make an investment strategy off. A lot of times what you'll tend to notice is that as things start to improve, 
improve in terms of performance, you'll start to see inflows chase that performance because people see something doing well, so they want to jump in on it. So something you could track and watch, but it doesn't always add up to just because there's a lot of money flowing into something, there's going to be performance, or if there's a lot of performance that there's necessarily a lot of money. So they're not always connected. For instance, the triple Qs, uh, which tracks the NASDAQ 100, is up over 30% year to date, but flows are actually slightly negative for the year overall. So it's something that's done really, really well has not had the flows to go through. But you might want to just watch that over time to see, hey, are we maybe hitting a peak in performance if those flows start to chase afterwards? You could also see stuff on the other side too. If something's going down quite a bit, you'll probably see some flows coming out of there. Yeah, I would just say it's good to gain insight into the market trends, investor sentiment, and really that popularity of that specific sector, but it should never be the only tool you use to make an investment decision. It's Ask Annex next up. I see return figures for mutual funds and ETFs ranging from one month to life of fund. What's the best time frame for comparison? Yeah, there really isn't a best time frame. And you got to remember that all of those performance numbers are backward looking. They're not indicative of future returns or results, which is, you know, the tagline you see in any compliance, you know, disclaimer. Whatever timeframes you're looking at is going to be consistent. So you want to look at funds in the same asset class over the same time periods. So if you know there's a time period where that asset class, let's say large cap growth did really, really well. So coming off of the COVID lows through 2021, you want to make sure you understand what's happening during that time period. And you're you're comparing, let's say, large cap growth to large cap growth. What you don't want to do is compare large cap growth during that time period to a small cap value fund or an international fund during that time period, because they're going to act differently during different times, such as value did better after interest rates started to go up, not before. So you want to make sure you know what you're looking at there. Next question. Commercial real estate is in a tough patch. Does that mean the same for REITs? Well, commercial real estate downturns can definitely impact REITs in the short term, but a well-managed REIT with a strong portfolio and prudent financial management can potentially navigate through these challenging periods and recover along with the market. A lot of different types of REITs as well, too. And you got to look at that, especially from an index standpoint, and look at the ETFs and mutual funds that try to track that or orbit it. You know, over time, you know, it's going to change from commercial real estate to housing, to data centers, to cell towers. All this stuff changes depending on what's happening in the marketplace. So you want to make sure what you're aware of when you're investing that specifically. Oh, here's a great question to close on with Ask Annex. My grandson has just realized he'll need to resume payments on his student loans. He's in shock. What's the best way to prepare for having to come up with another $326 a month? He has admitted he's been spending the extra on, quote, fun things. Yeah, some of those fun things might have to change. Student loans, if those payments start to start up again, you know, it's going to have to migrate from maybe going out to eat and or going on trips to student loan payments. And those are all decisions that we always have to make all the time is how to prioritize the fi- you know our finances and how to be good stewards of that money. So some of that mindset might have to shift. You know, from a student loan perspective, it's going to start relatively soon, or at least that's the indication right now. But maybe from a longer view picture of that, you think of cars, you're gonna have to replace a car every so often. One thing that we do personally is that once we pay off a car, we actually continue to make monthly payments to ourselves in savings to replicate what that cost was. So that way we're prepared when we need to get a new one. We've got a couple cars that are getting pretty old and we're going to have to replace the next couple of years. So it just helps build up that savings ahead of time, but gets us in that habit of making sure we're prioritizing that money. Yeah. So you just basically have to stop spending on the fun stuff. Sorry, but you got to sometimes have to make those sacrifices. Start putting that 326 in the bank and just kind of see how your cash flow is, but definitely start saving now. Welcome to real life, my child. (laughs) There you go. Sarah Kyle, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks. You're welcome, Danny. Matt Morsey, Investment Team Manager. Thanks. Thank you. 
Nothing says you have to go from fully employed to fully retired. How about easing up on the way, but still being a valuable contributor to your employer? Interesting stuff. We're going to talk about that next with Robert Chastain on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. If the only tool you have is a hammer, everything you fix looks like a nail. Same thing goes for some annuity salesmen. Need help with tax planning? Maybe you need an annuity. Recession coming? Have you tried an annuity? Retirement planning? You get the picture. Sometimes you need more than a one-tool solution. It's time for serious fee-only fiduciary planning from Annex Wealth Management. Our in-house team of experts will offer you a rigorously tested plan built just for you. Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show with Robert Chastain, Branch Director, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management here in Southwest Florida. Hello, Robert. Hey, Danny. Folks, if you're on the path to retirement, but maybe it's kind of a shimmering mirage in the desert, you can make it out, fades away, then it reappears. What about the possibility of easing into it so you don't go from straight up working to straight up retired? And we've talked about this before. We're going to talk about charting the path, something Annex Wealth Management does every day for our clients, and we can do the same for you folks. Robert, many will like our first suggestion, and that is to reduce hours at work. And that doesn't mean to slack because really somebody in the later stages of their career are so very valuable to their organization, right? You don't want to just disappear. Well, knowledge is power, right? And if you've been at your job for 25, 30 years, probably know how to do your job pretty well. You know the shortcuts. This is really, really a really good tip. As most of you know, I've talked about this before. I tried retirement. I went down in flames. I failed miserably. And I would have really enjoyed this. If I could, if anybody out there, if your job allows you to, maybe to go to a four-day work week and have a three-day weekend, just know how does this feel. You know, that 4th of July weekend, that Memorial Day weekend, it's kind of nice having three-day weekends. And then if that works for you, go to a three-day work week with a four-day uh, weekend and, you know, on and on and on you go. And, you know, it. I find that to be a really good way to wean yourself off your job and kind of get your mind looking at other things. Well, we need to point out that you're just kind of half joking when you said you failed at retirement. You just, your motor revved too fast. You, you were not fulfilled. It did. I was too young. I came home. I thought I was going to fix everything at home and nobody thought anything was broke but me. <laughs> so <laughs> right. it was yeah. a failure All right. on my part. Right. Failure on my part. Charting a path to retirement. And this is where Annex can step in quickly. And that's to assess your finances and priorities because that's what the plan is about. Absolutely. And plan, 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 you know, your income plan versus your expenses, our tax planning. If we do all of our planning correctly, you should know when you could go to the four-day work week or the three-day work week. We will do our part to do our planning to make sure that you're comfortable with any decision you make towards your retirement. Sure. I mean, we could just throw a plan across, but we want the plan for the plan, right? You know, it's going to be a custom plan for every situation. And, and basically, we're going to look at all of your income, all of your expenses. Then as you start weaning yourself off, we're going to, we're going to look at all those scenarios and say, hey, this works or it doesn't work. Yeah, talking about happiness in life. We're talking about that clear picture of the ideal life. And you might have a client walk in and say, listen, Robert, we've got grandkids in Ohio. We've got grandkids in Texas. We want to find a way to be more involved with their lives. Can we do it with this plan? that's where the plan comes in. Sure does. And, you know, we're going to cost out trips to both of those areas. Say you want to make 
three trips a year, four trips a year to each location. We're going to come up with those uh, scenarios and we're going to build that into your plan. If it works, it works. If it doesn't work, we're going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Yeah, that's refreshing. How about this, Robert? Explore options for work you would enjoy in retirement because, again, you still might have the hunger. This is a great, great point. And as most of you know, I've talked about it on here. I ref football, basketball, soccer, and I play a lot of pickleball. So those are all the things I've picked up since I tried retirement and I went back to work. So now I I think if I tried to retire again, I have enough of that going on where it might keep me busier, but I still don't think I could go cold turkey. Please tell Dave Spano that so he doesn't fire me. Well, there's a guy I don't think, even if he retires, he will not. His motor runs too fast, too. We're the Robert Chastain Branch Director, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management, Southwest Florida. Okay, so maybe you're thinking of working part-time in retirement. Keep your network. You definitely don't want to just shut down your LinkedIn account. Absolutely not. Keep relationships going that you have with people you work with people that you do your fun activities with. Opportunities come out of all of those relationships at times that you would never expect them. And it could be an opportunity that you really want to take advantage of. And one of the other things, Danny, I'd really stress to everybody, work on your health and fitness. Because if you don't have your health and fitness in retirement, it doesn't matter how much money you have. We're talking about things that you can do in the final couple of years of working full-time. So here we are kind of in the middle of 2023. If you get a 2024, maybe a 2025 target, you can slowly kind of downshift a little bit, but you're not sitting in the backyard yet. You are stimulated. You're empowered. If it sounds like a great idea, Annex can help. We, we absolutely can. And again, we're going to build a plan for you. And it's going to be a plan that makes sense for you based on all of your income versus your expenses. And then we're going to add all of the activities that you like to do and all the cost, and you'll know exactly where you stand from a financial standpoint. If it sounds good, website AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Robert Chastain, Branch Director, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management, Southwest Florida. Good stuff. Thank you. Thank you so much, Danny. So you got a new job. What are the job switch checklist items you need to go through? We'll talk about that next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? I guess we can call this a special version of Ask Annex as we got a rather urgent request from somebody who might be part of the Great Resignation. And for the uninitiated, the Great Resignation refers to the complete upheaval in employment happening right now. Job switches, career switches, you name it, it is happening. Here is what our anonymous person shared. Hello, Annex. I hope you can help. I'm freaking out. My company is making the news with coverage about a possible change in ownership that makes me uneasy. I've been here almost 20 years and have been involved in the company 401k, the HSA, as well as being involved with ownership of company stock. I might have the opportunity within a month to make a move to another company, but I have zero idea on what I should do with my current investments here. Are there steps I should follow? What might I be missing? Did I mention I'm freaking out about this? 
Let's dig in because this person is not alone. For some, it might be greener pastures with better pay and opportunity. This person's hand might be forced with a change in ownership to help us outline some of the initial steps. Let's welcome in Eric Strom, financial planning manager and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Hello, Eric. Hi, Danny. Also joining us, Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Hello, Deanne. Well, hi, Danny. You've got your inspector hat on. You've been looking closely and trying to parse exactly what this person is. <laughs> Is saying exactly let's say just for the sake of this segment we'll assume the person is taking a job at a new company so they got a 401k and hsa company stock what do we need to cover first well first congratulations it's a, it sounds like a wonderful opportunity and of course it's scary of course you're freaking out change is hard right but it sounds like you've done the right thing and you've got these wonderful components your hsa which we're going to cover in a moment you've got a 401k you're probably entering into a new company where you will also have benefits such as a 401k or something like that, a retirement plan, and uh, depending on your health care too, an HSA potential, and potential for other types of maybe deferral, maybe some options, maybe some deferred comp. So there's a lot to explore here. There is. And I think one of the first places to start is they mentioned company stock. The company stock might be within, for example, a retirement plan like a 401k. If that's the case, there are some strategies that would be appropriate to look at that could help with the taxation of that stock. Now, the stock might also be part of some kind of equity compensation plan, and that would be a moment where you really want to sit down with a financial planner who has strong background and education in equity compensation. And tax. And And tax tax is going to be really important here. They could be performance shares or restricted stock, non-qualified stock. You want to have this reviewed at this point because the tax consequences and investment consequences could be significant here. Is the stock thing the most complicated of all of these? It really is because there are different ways that you can get stock. You can get them through an ESOP or a stock purchase program. You can have them where the company drops them into your 401k, in which case, if you roll out, you have something called net unrealized appreciation potential, where it can potentially be taxed favorably in the future, but there's current tax consequences when you roll that. So so if they're separating from the company and rolling that plan, they need to understand what their options are from a tax point of view. Now, they were talking about company stock, but they also mentioned a 401k. So it looks like those are two separate things. Well, they might, but you can hold company stock within a 401k, oh, sure. and that is where the tax consequences become complex, and you have a few options that you need to understand before you make a move. One option with the 401k, which would generally not be the best option, is to cash it in for a lump sum. Now, that can create a lot of taxes. It can spike your income. It can create penalties. So that's usually the one option, Danny, that you don't want to do. But let's talk about some of the good options that someone has when they're leaving a a job. You could keep the money in the existing 401k. You could potentially move it into the new 401k at your new job, or you could roll the funds to your own IRA. Those are really the three main good options. There's a lot of considerations, though, to decide. First of all, you want to think about fees. Fees at the existing plan, what would fees be at the new plan, or fees in your own IRA? Depending upon the new company that's coming in for this merger or this takeover, that will influence what happens with that company's stock and what the options are. So you're going to be given a new set of 
of documents and kind of a new welcome if you take this new job. It'll list your benefits. It'll give you options for that stock. But remember, because of the taxation, you're going to want to do some real planning around that. Now, if you decide to keep it, though, the other thing to do is to think about relative to your overall wealth, how much company stock do you actually own from a diversification point of view? Remember, you're already levered to that company simply by working for them and getting that paycheck. Sometimes, you know, there's no need to accumulate too much stock in one company in your overall plan. Deanne, I'm really glad that you brought up the topic of understanding and evaluating the benefits and compensation package at the new company. What type of retirement plans would this person have available to them? Maybe 401k, could be deferred comp, other types of plans. What company matches might be available? Is there equity compensation? What's the healthcare look like? Is it a high deductible plan where we can do another HSA? There are so many fun things to look at when you get that big old pile of paperwork, right? The benefits at the new company. I love to really look through that and understand all of the potential plan options and really how to leverage those. And how they fit into the financial planning goals of the person. They mentioned an HSA. That's highly transportable, right? Yeah, so that's a health savings account. So when you have a high deductible plan, a lot of times employers will open you up to having this health savings account. And what happens is pre-tax money is put into this account and you don't have to spend it by year end. There are some plans that are flexible savings plans where you have to spend them, use it or lose it by year end. HSAs are not that way. In fact, as you get closer to retirement, accumulating that so that you have tax-free money to spend for health care and retirement can be a really good thing. And these can be invested too to grow for you for the future. Job switch, perfect time to talk to a financial planner? You bet. For investment, retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference? Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Start the wealth metric process. Eric Strom, financial planning manager and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thank you. And Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for the assist. Thank you for having me. In a recent study, over one-third of millionaires predicted their ability to feel financially secure in retirement is going to take a miracle. At Annex Wealth Management, we believe a plan, not a miracle, will help increase your retirement confidence. Our team of experts gets to work using leading-edge technology to build a comprehensive plan covering investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. And Annex doesn't have products to push with hidden fees or commissions. There's too much of that already. More planning, less miracles. Build confidence with Annex Wealth Management. AnnexWealth.com. Need to reach Annex Wealth Management but want to skip the computer? No problem. Call us. 239-350-6363. 239-350-6363. Let's talk soon. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. In 2020, 68 million U.S. households had pets. They're companions. They provide support. In many cases, they're total and complete family members. Now, we've covered passion assets quite a bit at Annex Wealth Management, but between client inquiries and a number of webinars and in-person meetings, it's clear our pets are a passion asset. Amy Kiskala is here to talk about it. She's a wealth strategist and estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back, Amy. Thanks, Danny. You know, I've struggled on this because many times I've thought, nobody wants to learn about estate planning for pets, but you you're a pet owner. We've got three golden retrievers. In fact, this really came to light in our family when we had an old estate plan that was done before I started working at Annex Wealth Management. And part of it was, if something happened to my wife and I, the dogs would go to a certain branch of the family. Well, that's not 
a possibility anymore. We really don't have something, and it would kill us if something happened to our pets and they didn't have that quality. It's important to people, isn't it? It absolutely is. We love our pets. As an estate planning attorney in private practice, I drafted many plans where we did exactly that, talked about what happens to those pets upon death or incapacity. I'm not making it up in this studio. We had somebody in that line of work, and they said... I'm not making this up. They said they had done an estate plan for a monkey. You know, I believe it. You know, monkeys are probably expensive to maintain and you got to have the right person that's willing to take a monkey into the home. Right. When people think about estate planning for pets, maybe they think of Leona Helmsley, the American businesswoman who died in 2007 and she left a $12 million trust fund to her dog. And that was kind of the poster child for maybe excess, maybe. That's an extreme. But for people who love their pets and they care deeply for them, it's not unusual to have something set up to take care of them. And it's important because it's estimated that more than 500,000 pets are euthanized because their pet parent died or became disabled. Is this an estate plan for a pet or is this part of a larger estate plan? You definitely want to think about it as part of a larger estate plan. That's exactly what we're doing with estate planning is putting together the right decisions and documents to take care of the people and things that we love at our, at our death. And that includes our pets. Is this something that, let's start simply, what about incapacity? Is Are there provisions for that? There are. There are. Now, it can be very informal, right? Like somebody can just take your pet into their home and take care of it. With all good planning, it's good to have the right documentation in place. So for uh, during a lifetime, you might have a pet care authorization form, maybe even a wallet card saying who you're designating to take care of that pet. You might also think about that financial power of attorney. So if you want to make sure that somebody has an authority to pay the expenses for the pet, maybe you specifically mention that in your financial power of attorney. Well, kids are expensive. Pets are expensive too, right? There's the food, there's the medical care, there's all those things. Are there provisions for that? There are, there are. So when we think about our documents that take place at death, right, that's another place where we want to mention what we want to happen to our pet and how we want that pet taken care of. So you might just put a bequest in a will or maybe a living trust to say, hey, Jane's going to take my dog and I'm going to leave her a sum of money to pay for that dog. You can actually even go farther, though, and again, it's going to depend on on what your state law allows, but it is possible to create something like a pet trust, a little bit like Leon Hemsley did. You know, again, I struggle with this topic, but I think and I know people who love their pets and it's important and they would want this for them. Others, yeah, they're going to go to the Farmer Wilsons, right? right? And think about think about the monkey or a horse or a turtle. They can live a very long time and might be very expensive to take care of, in which case you might think about going to that level of creating that pet trust. And if you do, one of the things you want to think about is, well, what happens if there's money left at the end? Where are those funds going to go. They're going to go to a charity designated for animal causes or back to maybe a human beneficiary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, these are great thoughts. Where would somebody start? What's the best spot to start? Start by having a great conversation with your advisors, your financial advisor, your estate planning attorney about what your goals and intentions are and what makes sense. And then work with an estate planning attorney to put a good estate plan in place. Great. And folks, if you are listening to this and saying, oh, I'm not alone, I I would worry about my pets. Amy and I are here for you, right? We are. Yeah. Amy Kiskala is a wealth strategist and estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Danny.
If the only tool you have is a hammer, everything you fix looks like a nail. Same thing goes for some annuity salesmen. Need help with tax planning? Maybe you need an annuity. Recession coming? Have you tried an annuity? Retirement planning? You get the picture. Sometimes you need more than a one-tool solution. It's time for serious, fee-only fiduciary planning from Annex Wealth Management. Our in-house team of experts will offer you a rigorously tested plan built just for you. Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Quick reminder, this show is going to be on Spotify, so you can listen to it as a podcast, and it'll be there at the top of the hour, and really pretty much any podcast platform that you like, maybe like Apple Podcasts, but Spotify for sure. I'm Danny Clayton, joined in the studio by Brian Jacobson, our chief economist at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, let me tell you, since you have joined us, we have put you to work in a number of different ways, and it's been great because for years, I've got CNBC on in the background, and I would see you pop up all the time. As, you know, They would bring you in for stories and comment and commentary, so it's really great to have you here. Uh, Fox Business as well. Uh, you you have been on, I think, Yahoo Finance mm-hmm. yep. as well, yep. Cheddar News, Cheddar TV, a, a bunch yeah. of different things. A couple sure. new streaming channels out there as well. So it's kind of fun to do the traditional television, but then also the uh, newer mediums yeah. as well. Oh, it's neat, neat having you here. We have a brand new thing that's going to debut this weekend at AnnexWealth.com, and we call it Graphonomics. And I don't know if it's a working title, but I like it so far. And it's things that you, as an economist, are putting together as a graph to really help us understand a number of different subjects. There are three this week. Debt deal done, now what? The hot labor market. And Fed, skip or trip. But really, what is Graphonomics going to do for for anybody that checks it out? Yeah, I I like the name because it's unique, right? And it's really about, uh, let's look at maybe a couple charts or graphs and then try to make sense out of them. And actually, when I was teaching full-time, that is kind of what I did, is you would draw graphs and then you would tell stories about it. And I view this as an opportunity to really look at what are some things that are going on in the world that we can help provide some unique insight on to provide us some perspective. And so that's really what it's supposed to be is maybe three charts, three graphs every month. And then what does it tell us about where we are and what sort of insights are we getting it from an investing perspective? So you've taught this, you've got lots of degrees. So graphs are useful, right? I mean, you're a believer. I I do because, uh, you know, a lot of people, they're visual learners. Uh, If you can see it, you can identify trends. Now we do have to be careful because like Michael Shermer, who is a great writer about science, uh, he once said that humans are pattern-seeking, storytelling animals. And sometimes we tell stories about patterns, even if they don't exist, right? So sometimes we do see a pattern or we think there's a pattern there and there might not be. And so that's actually what I'm trying to help identify is whether or not there's something that, oh, that looks like that could be a relationship or a pattern, but really fundamentally, maybe it's much just a bunch of noise. Yeah, folks, we figure if you're listening to a show like this, you really do want to learn more, and we want to provide that. Many times we talk at a high level. Many times we talk at a regular person level. Graphonomics is designed to really help everybody, and it's brand new on the Annex Wealth Management website this weekend. We've only got a couple of minutes, but let's talk a little bit about the debt deal done. Now what graph? Yeah, so that one I was just trying to provide the context about how much the United States government's 
debt relative to economic output, so GDP, gross domestic product, how much has that grown over the last few years? And then what sort of trajectory are we on? Because even though we got that debt deal done, it doesn't really bend the curve all that much as far as debt to GDP. And I think that one of the key insights there is that, yes, we can maybe put to bed the idea that the U.S. government might default on its debt. But if you think about in 2024 being an election year, there are a lot of things to really think about from a budgetary perspective. Talking about graphonomics, which is a new feature that starts this weekend on the Annex Wealth Management website, AnnexWealth.com. Hot labor market. How about that? Yeah. And, you know, this one here is really interesting because I think a lot of people forget that during COVID, the United States shed more than 20 million jobs. And we've been having really good job gains since. But still, if you were to extend the trend for payrolls or jobs from 2015 to 19, we're actually still about 4 million jobs short of where we probably would otherwise be. And so that's just highlighting that we are still maybe good job gains still ahead. In our final graph that we're going to talk about, Fed, skip or trip? Yeah, I wanted to really highlight what the Fed has done, how aggressively they have hiked, even though growth was slowing as they were hiking. So instead of hiking during the good times, they were hiking into bad times. And that's a totally different dynamic than what a lot of us are used to. I am really looking forward to it. It's brand new. It's uh, called Graphonomics, and it debuts this weekend at AnnexWealth.com. I think as these things pop up, you're going to be producing them and getting them on the website, right? Yeah, that's what we're hoping is, you know, so obviously provide your feedback through the website. You can contact us. I'd love to know what sort of topics are really interesting. I know we have the Ask Annex feature, and that's a great way to kind of bring out what's top of your mind as well. And maybe we can address that with some sort of graph. Fantastic. What we do is investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. If we can help, we would love to. Go to AnnexWealth.com, click that Get Started button. Brian Jacobson, thank you. Thank you. Folks, we are built as a fee-only fiduciary. We want you to know the difference. Only takes a couple of minutes. Get that ball rolling. See you next Sunday, noon. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.